The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. Yeah, we wish the bell was ringing for some boxing action in the ring, but from now we are left with the what if, the what if of when the fights, when sports are going to resume with the magnitude of the coronavirus outbreak going worldwide. We are here for you, though. I know there are an awful lot of you that are uh, in need of, jonesing, if you will, for some coverage of all sports, including boxing. That's what we do on this podcast, on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. I am merely the humble host. I have enlisted the help of senior writer, BigFightWeekend.com, Marquise Johns, to hold my hand figuratively here and help us get through the podcast and get through this time in which we have no fights. Week Sauce Radio, how you feeling? Pretty good, TJ. Once again, we are the world. We, uh, we are, are we are the world, and we are without at the moment. Uh, <laughs> to be continued on when we have fights. And joining us from the UK, from Suffolk, England, a little later in Suffolk than what it is in the United States, in Florida, where Marquise and I are, we say thank you for staying up late to David Payne, a.k.a. The Boxing Writer. Uh, he is at The Boxing Writer on social media as well as BoxingWriter.co.uk is his website where he writes. David Payne, good to have you as we try to trudge on here without the fights in the ring, sir. Hello there. Great to be with you. Good to chat with friends, chat a little boxing and whatever else crops up. Um, hope everyone's well. Yeah, I'm in the bunker. I'm surrounded by tins and lots of toilet roll which has been in short <laughs> supply around this, around this neck of the woods so i'm good to go for a, for a good chat about whatever we can we can muster from this half hour i'm sure it'll still be fun yes let's distract ourselves and everybody else for a little while from uh, the stuff what marquise what did you tell me that you went into the mostly empty uh grocer grocery and uh it was not something like out of a scene of the hunger games it was not that uh that crazy but you were able to get a couple of items at least right marquise on that social update i I was yesterday tj uh pretty much the food is still on shelves i mean you still can't of course get hand sanitizer that's still pretty elusive but everything else is pretty much there for the most part so everything's okay toilet toiletries are at a uh at at a minimum right now so again we understand the gravity and the seriousness of what's going on and uh, and the dangers that are involved but let's just pick up right on that point david i'll begin with you we have had one disturbing uh, uh update after another no fights for march now no fights for april whether it is in the uk and europe or here in the united states and it looks like now nothing for may as well for most of the promotions it is it's really unprecedented about the only thing you could equate it to probably is World War II that was going on, which obviously the three of us were not around for, but sports in large part went on hiatus for a lot of reasons um, in in the United States and obviously with uh, Hitler's Germany invading Europe. So that was, a, that was a time period where you could relate where there wasn't sports per se, uh, but this is definitely odd here where no matter if you're a fan of of uh, the world sport football, whether you're a fan of uh, American basketball or American baseball, which haven't hasn't started, or boxing as we all are, it's just all on hold. David, give me give me a thought or two here. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, whatever whatever we get into um, following this, obviously we're we're trying to we're trying to smile our way through it, but it's it's not a light-hearted subject. The reason behind the lack of action. Uh, it's been taken very seriously here in the UK. I, I know it's got a mixed reception as far as it's been reported in the UK about how the 
American public and uh, government, etc., taking the problem. But uh, certainly, I I would imagine all sport is going to be on hold for some time. I think uh, that there are some delusions that we might return to big stadium action with our football in May and June, which seems nothing short of ludicrous, given where we're sitting at the moment. Uh, and I can only assume that boxing will 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 trace a similar path. It it may be uh, TJ Marquis that over there in the states, given the um, the sound bites that have been coming from your um, glowing leader, that America might be the first to to put events together. If uh, he's encouraging the the economy to get back on its feet and people to get back to work, then perhaps America might lead the way for better or worse in fight cards being put back together in, in May and June. But I certainly can't see them happening here in the UK. Interesting on that. Marquise, an opening thought about everything being on hold. I know you joked just before I pressed record, you're about sick of best ofs, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sick of TJ watching uh, fights that I already know the results of or just can find out on the internet within a simple two-second Google search. And nothing, nothing against the great fights that have happened, but we know the results, we know what happened. We've seen this cartoon play out. Uh, to piggyback your point, David, uh, I think it's going to be on the for the states. It's going to be on the back burner on our end. Uh, I say that only because the major two promotions here in the U.S. and I'm going to throw in a third one as well. Golden Boy, Golden Boy has been shut down pretty much for the state of California because the state of California here is pretty much, as you know, TJ, in shelter. Don't don't leave your house. Uh, Top Rank and PBC Premier Boxing Champions has pretty much been delayed. Uh, Top Rank yesterday when we're recording this uh, is delayed. This is. Uh, I want to say it was the WBO till June. People officially joke of it as, you know, the top-ranked belt, and they're not holding sanctioned fights until June. Uh, P- PBC on Fox or anything PBC-related is not holding any fight events until after Memorial Day at the earliest, and from there, it's still uncertain. At this point, guys, I don't know if we'll see any actual live sports whatsoever. They even entertained, they were even trying to entertain the thought of having, you know, studio boxing shows like the old days, like studio wrestling, as we mentioned in the last podcast, and even that's being nixed out because of the, the uh, social... D- distancing and the people around it so i have absolutely your best as good as mine guys is when we're going to see any actual live events let alone boxing again so david so look, yeah go ahead sorry i was, I was going to say uh, I, I probably might be a, a day or two out of date here but wasn't uh, dana white still trying to hop around trying to find venues for ufc fights and correct was refusing to give in Correct, and that, that and at the time at the time that we're taping, he still wants to hold two UFC pay per views in April somewhere. I don't know where somewhere is. I half jokingly say somewhere may be his backyard in a bubble. For all for all we know, I don't <laughs> I don't know where somewhere is, but he is attempting uh, to continue that. And UFC is obviously not only just popular in the United States, but obviously it is it is taken on in other parts of the globe. We'll find out if he is able to do that. So, David, along those lines, there are two prominent heavyweight contender fights with Dillian White fighting Alexander Povetkin, as we have joked before in the all-test-him five times for whatever substance uh, battle. That one to be in Manchester for the first weekend in May. And then scheduled, again, this could change. At the time you're hearing the podcast, you may already know these are canceled. We don't know that these are canceled yet or postponed, whatever you want to call it. But three weeks later, it is supposed to be Alexander Usyk, the former World Cruiserweight champion, undefeated, who's moved up to heavyweight, fighting uh, British heavyweight contender and knockout artist uh, Derek Chisora. That is supposed to be at London's O2 Arena on May the 23rd. 
uh, on a scale of of one to, of zero to ten, zero, there is no chance those fights happen. Ten, they definitely, absolutely will happen. Where do you come down right now? Where we're taping that one or both come off? What do you What do you think? Uh, one or less. Okay. Um, I just uh, I, I don't wish to be the prophet of doom or not give any people any optimism, but just in all reality, we are eight weeks from one of those dates, nine weeks from one of those dates back in May. And I just, I can't see how that happens from where we are right now. We're building hospital, emergency hospitals in exhibition centers. There's just no way that we can then have a venue 10 miles down the road with 25,000 people in it. It's just, it's just illogical. There's no, there's no way those fights are going to happen in the UK or anywhere else that one would imagine. Um, and USIC obviously is also quite aligned with the WBO, has been in the past. That's a that's a that's a path he's pursuing. So although it's not a title fight to my knowledge, even of an interim or intercontinental type, um, I just can't see those fights happening. Um, I, I, I don't see how a crowd gathers in all good conscience for that, or how anyone can put that put that fight on. So I would imagine that they'll all be back to September, October dates at best. And there, there may be some who feel that that is also possibly uh, a little rash to try and rearrange for them. They may be, they, we may be looking at a situation where there's precious little action this year. Interesting. Wow. He is, he is kind of being prophet of doom for a moment. Uh, <laughs> On that, I understand. Uh, Mar- Marquise, uh, those contender fights in England, it's formality seems to be the word. With everything being canceled here in the United States, I think Eddie Hearn and Matchroom, and, and again, David has more insight being right there in the UK, but I think it's more of a formality that they will postpone those at this point, right? And then is the next... Is the next one that's on the docket, to David's point, Anthony Joshua Kubrat Pulev, which is supposed to be June 20th, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium uh, in North London. Is that one the next one that we hear is now at the at the earliest, maybe September or October? Uh, Marquise, your thoughts on all of it? I think so, TJ. I think well, at this point, we're just waiting for everything to, fit, to, to play itself out at this point with this, uh, the COVID-19 stuff. And pretty much that Eddie Hearn mentioned yesterday, uh, actually it was Monday, the great line of the Olympics are canceling, uh, let alone boxing its events itself. So at this point, any other regional fight, uh, title fight, any fight for that matter, national TJ breaking as we speaking and recording this, uh, the fight here in the States, uh, Carissa Shields and her hometown fight once again canceled due to this as well for May 9th. So we just have to wait and see on this, but I think everyone is waiting for all these dominoes to play out and hopefully they'll build them back together pretty much like Jenga pieces. And hopefully we can get to these fights at some point at the back end of this year, because it's looking like the way this is going, TJ, uh, this is going to be the summer. (laughs) Well, and we joked with Barry Tompkins on this podcast back uh, about a week ago that the good thing would be if and when we can resume, let's say optimistically, June 1, June 15th, July 1, we'll start seeing a barrage of fights that come together even in the same weekend, maybe be staggered on Friday nights and Saturday nights, etc., to start trying to make up for lost time. Uh, for a lot of these different guys. Again, uh, we're enjoying the chat here with David Payne in England. Marquise Johns is with me in West Central Florida here in the United States. It is the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Reminder, subscribe to this podcast. I didn't say it at the top of the show. It's the easiest way to get the newest one uh, when we come to you uh, through iTunes, through Spotify, Google Podcasts, through Spreaker, wherever you get podcasts. Search Big Fight Weekend. Subscribe, rate us, review us. 
We appreciate that. It'll move us up in the rankings, but the podcast, more importantly, will come automatically to you uh, if you subscribe. Um, all right, so a, a fun hypothetical, and I promise we'll get to some other stuff here, including a couple of historical fights that have happened recently because David loves to go in the Wayback Machine. We'll get to that, and then, and then we, I promise, David, we'll get to uh, the whole uh, simulation of great fighters and great fights from the heavyweight division. It's, it's kind of unfolding actually in real time here over the last couple of weeks. But if, if the Joshua fight with Pulev is to be postponed, and right now at the time that we're talking, top rank has said, not officially, but Bob Arum on their behalf, I can't see how Wilder and Fury are fighting in July in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is shut down. We can't tell the fighters when the fight date is. Nobody can make travel plans. Uh, the Brits from the UK can't make travel plans to come here if they would want to come. You can't sell tickets. You can't make money. It's 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 not worth it for anybody. So he's basically saying October without it being official. All right. So if Joshua, uh, David, to you first, if Joshua and Pulev does not come off, does it maybe open things up where the conversation might turn to Joshua Tyson Fury? You know, he he says, hey, I, I don't have the contract anymore with Wilder. Somehow, some way it works out. Does that does that maybe turn to the conversation or do you think they'll stay the course with Joshua fighting Pulev at some point, Fury fighting Wilder uh, at some point later in 2020, what do you think? Um, well, I think firstly, just that, that June thing for a second. Um, the other thing that's obviously happening in parallel, as you mentioned earlier, is uh, the, the soccer season, football season for us over here, obviously is a massive global uh, entity uh, worth millions and billions around the world for coverage. And they've got to try and contemplate a way of finishing our season here, which usually runs till April, May time. And we've got about uh, a, about 20% of the season left to go. And they're talking about trying to play that out in June. And obviously the current venue for Joshua Pulev is the Tottenham Hotspur football ground, which would be a key element of that. But also, as you say, there's going to be a clamour if there is suddenly availability, possibility for sporting events to resume in June, there's going to be a clamour for the eyes and the pound notes of the people that have been cooped up for a couple of um, two or three months at that point. So Joshua Pulev is suddenly, having previously been out of season, could theoretically be in the mid middle of the climax of the football season, which wouldn't necessarily be good business. So there are other complications. I can't see Joshua Pulev happening in June, irrespective of whether football started again or not, to be honest. I think it moves back. But I think the two paths will stay the same. I don't think that we suddenly jump out of bed on um, Fury Wilder 3 and into a Fury Joshua thing. Again, Although this is a game changer for lots of different uh, aspects of our economy, fights like that need to be built up to reach a crescendo. Uh, people's outlooks have changed. There needs to be a recalibration. And I just can't imagine that they just drop that massive fight out of the sky, throwing out the Wilder fight, throwing out the Pulev fight, and make that happen. And, and it be as financially... Um, rewarding for all parties as it could be. So I think we stay on track with the existing paths. I think the more interesting question to me, perhaps, although hypothetical, is who um, suffers most from the inactivity? Um, who, which, which party is this going to do the most damage to um, in terms of focus, in terms of uh, business-wise, in terms of uh, their activity levels, etc.? Um 
I'm, I'm not sure who it suits best, whether that's a factor we need to consider when these fights start to come around, who's going to be able to keep it together better. There's one thing for sure. I wouldn't want the job of trying to keep Andy Ruiz in the gym at the moment. <laughs> um, <that's, laughs> that must be harder than finding hand sanitizer. But, um, yes, good point. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be a difficult summer for a lot of fighters that are... Um, that need to train, need to be active uh, from that point of view. And obviously, way down the uh, pay scale, an awful lot tougher for those guys who haven't earned millions yet or and are struggling to make make their own way. So, sorry, a few points to, to come back to you with there, but um, I think they'll stay on the, the current path contract-wise. Well, it's all good points that you make. And again, if you know if you have the millions that you're talking about, you probably can find a facility and, and have your staff with you. But if, if you're used to training in the city where you live in the same gym that's not yours and it's not open, what do you do? you got to get creative on your own. Uh, there's a social media post while we're talking on the Big Fight Weekend podcast of Tyson Fury working out in home isolation, and he's got the wife, uh, Paris, uh, kind of kind of up on his shoulders in like a fireman's carry position doing leg raises and squ- squats with his wife in front of the mirror. So you just got to, I mean, and that's Fury. So uh, in a nutshell, you got to try to stay in shape. Um, however you can. So uh, you make a good point too, David, that uh, if, if it comes to it, the English Premier League, the Premier League, the football season, the soccer season is going to take a priority in all of those huge stadiums. So a lucrative Joshua fight in one of those stadiums becomes more problematic. Uh, and that may be a factor too on how long it's delayed. When when does the new, forgive my ignorance, when does the new season theoretically start? That would not be October or would that be October? And so therefore planning ahead for Joshua in a stadium uh, in the UK in particular, you'd almost have to plan for like September. Is that timeline pretty correct? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, in a typical, without getting into too much sort of uh, detail the the normal season here would run from august through to about may that would be the culmination and then you there's usually a break and if there's an international summer tournament that would be conducted in june obviously if there is some sort of scenario where football's played in june and it's a compacted uh, kind of schedule and they fit all the games into four or five weeks um I suppose it's plausible they may resume again for a new season, the 2021 season in August again, but it seems unlikely. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, these are all juggling acts that the Football League are trying to do because uh, obviously there's, a, there's an awful lot of organisation goes into this stuff. Sure. And there is t- talk of whether they just void this season, will they try and continue, will the next season be put back and so on. It's um it's a it's a huge uh, logistical nightmare for everyone. Obviously, secondary to everybody's health, as we mentioned at the top of the show. But uh, it is a logistical nightmare. Uh, as for the Joshua fight, if it has to leave the Tottenham Stadium um, because of a clash, then obviously the uh, international hubs, as it were, that we've been at before. So Wembley becomes a possibility if it's if the weather can be trusted. And then we have the option of the uh, Cardiff venue, which, of course, has the roof, um, which gives a, a 70,000 indoor stadium, essentially, if, again, we're to looking at more autumnal dates of October or November for a, for a contest between Joshua and Pulev. And I'd, I'm sure by then, if everyone's confident about going out and about that he'll have little trouble selling that sort of size stadium again, particularly if we've been starved of, of action and all saved an awful lot of money if we've not been spending it uh, over the summer months. 
Well said there by David Payne, giving us some insight from in England. TJ Reeves got Marquise Johns here. It's the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Thank you for finding us wherever you found us, through a social media link, through a web story on BigFightWeekend.com. I've got senior writer Marquise Johns from BigFightWeekend.com keeping me straight uh, here as, as well on this. All right, so let's lighten it up uh, just a little bit. Um, we, we've been talking historical fights a little bit in and around uh, March. Marquise, you wrote on the 30th anniversary of Julio Cesar Chavez, Meldrick Taylor, and as dramatic an ending to a fight and as controversial a stoppage as you could have in a dramatic ending with a Hall of Fame fighter, uh, Chavez on the verge of, of uh, losing a decision to the former Olympic gold medalist and the champ Meldrick Taylor, Chavez ends up stopping him in the 12th round back 30 years ago on uh, on March 17th of 1990 with just a couple of seconds remaining in the fight when referee Richard Steele controversially waved the fight off with Meldrick Taylor not responding to him in the corner and fewer than five seconds left in the fight. So Marquise, you wrote about that. Elaborate a little more about your take on reminiscing for 30 years ago and how uh, that fight is still talked about and rightfully so with a controversial stoppage. Absolutely, TJ. The greatest line still in that broadcast from HBO where you hear the great Larry Merchant after Taylor got knocked down in the last round. If he makes the if he makes the count, he wins the fight. And then two seconds later, you see Richard Steele wave the fight completely over, ruining that all that whole prophecy altogether. Still one of the more debatable decisions, actually, based on what the ref Steele was saying after the fight over and over again. He's saying that, hey, he saw a beaten up fighter. And I as you and looking at the fight, Taylor was beaten, like yes. beaten for about a solid the last six rounds of that fight. It's one of those fights where actually you can debate where his corner probably should have stepped in at some point, but he was winning the fight, so that wasn't going to happen. Then he got knocked out, and then the ref pretty much did him a favor at the end to stop the fight. The problem was he didn't stop him to fight after the final bell rang, which is why we're still talking about it 30 years later. Still one of the great fights of all time, actually, TJ. And as you well know, guys, that fight was the first HBO broadcast here locally in the States after that uh, some Buster Douglas Tyson fight that happens. Yeah, that's right. It was the next month, but it was the next fight after Tyson Douglas. What a couple of fights to have back to back there. Um, David, what, what do you want to say thinking back on that? Because it, it created such a controversy then and now. And Richard Steele still, he's, re, he's been retired for over 15 years as a big time boxing referee. He to this day, I saw a couple of things in recent years to this day, still believes he did right by Meldrick Taylor waving that fight off in, in the heat of the moment. What, what do you say about that historic moment? I think um, referees sometimes certainly in hindsight, will reflect and think they might have done something different. But I think um, I've had enormous respect for Richard Steele, a tremendous referee in the main. I can't think of any um, of any other problems that I can remember Richard Steele being involved in. I say problems, probably the wrong word, but any other controversies or, or interventions that I can remember uh, Richard Steele making that I, I had issue with. Um, so you've got to have great faith in the proximity he had to Meldrick Taylor at that point and his only focus, and I think it should be acknowledged, his only focus was the health of the fighter, irrespective of the clock. It's not He's not the timekeeper. He's in there to protect the fighters. And um, in his mind, he didn't need to re- receive one more punch, which is probably what he would have done in that in that moment. So um, it, it, it's not troubled me as much as others. Um Perhaps it, I wasn't as close to it as you guys were in America at the time. 
um, to the storylines of the two fighters. Um, but so it's never it's never troubled me in the same way. Um, the nearest thing I can think of it is um, in terms of uh, knockouts that close to the end. I think is probably Carl Frock and uh, Jermaine Taylor uh, a few years ago, which um, I think went down to about five or six seconds from the end of the twelfth round. Uh, Frock having been on the canvas a couple of times and been in a, been in a bad way in that fight. Uh, from memory, so, but no, that, that that it stays with us is remarkable. And as you point out, the the pair of you, it had not it not twigged in my mind that um, that that and the Douglas Tyson fight were separated by just a month. And for you over in the states, they were back to back broadcasts. That seems remarkable, doesn't it? In hindsight, all this time, all yeah. this time later, you talk about how much interest there was. Now, I, I do know there have been steps now taken by most of these boxing organizations and by the boxing commissions to do everything they can. And that night, you'll you'll see it uh, when you go back and relive the fight. And, and HBO did a great retrospective. Um, about 10 years ago or more uh, on that night and on the fight. You can see on their broadcast that uh, Las Vegas had the red light in all four corners, and the red light is clearly blinking uh, right behind Meldrick Taylor where Richard Steele is counting and standing in front of him, and he just didn't pay attention to it and didn't see the red light blinking that would have told him this is within 10 seconds of the fight being over here. Um, but a lot of the commissions now, a lot of the organizations have taken steps to say a fight cannot, cannot be stopped in the final five seconds after a knockdown where the fighter is back up and not in danger of taking a punch as Taylor did. And here's one more point. And Marquise, you kind of wrote about this uh, a little bit and it's the larger point. Meldrick Taylor never recovered from that night. That, I mean, in the boxing sense, on the biggest stage, from a skill standpoint, from the beating he took, he was never the same after that night uh, Chavez kept his unbeaten record he had won uh, I think a hundred fights without a loss with that dramatic knockout I mean you had so much subplot and storyline Marquise but it's it's important to emphasize Taylor was never the same after that not at not at all TJ in fact he moved up because of it because he was having weight issues leading into the fight and then because they, they, they had the rematch in 94 which went the same way with Chavez getting the stoppage in the eighth round as well and we had to move back down but no Miller Taylor was a force before that fight and then afterwards was never the same guy and you always hear stories about fighters when they take that one loss to a certain fighter and they're never the same person I mean Oscar De La Hoya has made a career of doing that Floyd Mayweather as well and it's amazing that uh, Chavez on that night made it to Miller Taylor as well Yep. Um, all right. So we, I love going back on the historical part of this, and we write it, you know, frequently about it. We wrote about Trevor Burbick and Pinklon Thomas, uh, and that fight that took place at the time we're doing the podcast uh, earlier this week when they fought um, back uh, what some thirty six years ago, thirty four years ago, nineteen ninety six. That that fight took place. They were kind of in that group of heavyweights, and and. Uh, David, I know you have some fondness for this, uh, where the likes of Terrible Tim Witherspoon, Bone Crusher Smith, Buster Douglas, all of those guys were around as contenders um, in, in the in the mid 1980s, the late 1980s. They were either fighting Larry Holmes and losing, or later in the in the 80s and into the early 90s, fighting Mike Tyson and losing. But then when they fought each other, it was kind of interesting in Burbick and Pinklon Thomas. Uh, had a battle, and, and Burbick won it and won the title, but the reign was short-lived because the very next fight was against Mike Tyson, who beat him eight months later, took the belt, and then eventually unified all of the belts. But we, we love going back through heavyweight history, don't we, and, and some of these occasions and reminiscing about the 1980s, etc. 
Oh, we do. And the the 80s were were full of a, a, a strange and eclectic mix of guys that seemed to pop up for two or three fights and disappear for two or three years and then pop back up. As I'll, I'll repeat... Never fight Mike Tyson if you're wearing long socks. That's that's just a given. It, uh, <laughs> it's, it's just no. It's just not a good look, and it looks even worse when uh, when Tyson starts bouncing around the canvas. But um, no, uh, Burbick was a good fighter. Um, a lot of skill. Um, a very sad story in the end. But no, some of those guys were were very tasty heavyweights. The trouble the trouble with many of them was that they they couldn't put it together for a consistent run. Um, either in either, either in preparation for a single fight or capitalising on a good performance. Um, so it was a an erratic set of guys. Um, but yeah, so, some of them would certainly be competitive or better if they were around uh, in the in the modern age. But that that might be my nostalgia and age speaking. There, um, I don't know. Sometimes we have a fondness for guys that we look back on and sure. we make them better than they ever were. But um, yeah, I've got a I've got a fondness for all those wacky stories right up to moving into the nineties with people like Morris Harris and people like that. It's um, the kind of guys that kind of flit around the fringes and you think they've got there's something in there, but they never quite put it all together. I think they're often as interesting as the dominant heavyweights that we've we've all enjoyed watching. Yeah, and there was a recent anniversary of Tyson Bruno two, the second fight where he knocked him out quicker in the second fight. In uh, in only his third fight after being released from prison, he recaptured a portion of the heavyweight title uh, in doing that. Uh, so yes, we we love the nostalgia uh, part of this. By the way, Marquise, uh, you would be quick to point out Trevor Burbick tried to mimic Mike Tyson, if not make fun of him, and came into the ring with the black shorts and the little black shoes with no socks, and it didn't matter because he couldn't take the big punch or two or five from Tyson, and it was over in two rounds, uh, even though he didn't have the traditional high socks in that fight. Oh man, got got. Usually those who mimic the fighter that they're facing as the challenger, it never ends up well for the challenger in all of these fights. No matter uh, history has told us that it's it's Tom and Jerry at its best. Surely I've got to ch- I've got to challenge this. I've got to challenge this. Are you trying to tell me that Trevor Burbick wasn't wearing long socks when he fought Mike Tyson? That's I've correct. Go I've back and look. Go back and look at the video. <laughs> he he was trying to get in Tyson's head and came to the oh, ring in the oh. same black trunks and the same little black shoes, and he still ended up on his back like everybody else. But at least he tried. He tried. He tried something. Uh, he tried something well, different. To, then. I'll have to go back on that because I've been trading on that as an after dinner anecdote for about the last 25 yeah. years. So I'm uh, clearly my material needs a shakeup. Uh, yes. Uh, well, we do. We do remember uh, that. That's not even the greatest moment for Burbick uh, in terms of video and heavyweight tussles, uh, and, it, and it didn't even happen in the ring. The greatest. The greatest moment, Marquise, and you've you've posted this on social media. Uh, whatever, whenever it happened, it's probably a, a thirty again, a thirty thirty five year old one is when he had gotten into a scuffle with Larry Holmes uh, oh, in yes. Miami, where Burbick lived at a hotel or something with the public out there, and Holmes had had thrown some punches and landed them. And Trevor Burbick is on camera. I don't know why the media was there, if it was an event or whatever. Burbick is on camera, and Burbick is telling the cops and the media, Larry Holmes kicked me, Larry Holmes punched me, and suddenly <laughs> here comes the former heavyweight champ off the off, off the roof of a car like something out of the World Wrestling Association. 
Wapsy, TJ, and David is actually one of the better drop kicks from a non-professional wrestler <laughs> I've ever seen. Off a limo, actually. It's one of the funniest things. that They were all there for one reason or another. Larry Holmes had one of these random club fights where he was knocking somebody up before he made his circuit on uh, USA Tuesday Night Fights here in the States. And it was after, after that fight, uh, Trevor Burke was just talking noise to somebody outside. And the media got a hold of him. And then all you see is this man in this 90s jumpsuit, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Literally go off the top limo roof. <laughs> drop kicks Trevor Burbank, and all you hear is him running afterwards. It's one of the greatest scenes ever. It's better. It's better than anything. I think. Uh, yes, Burbick beat Ali and ended Ali's career. But I would submit that's better and more entertaining than any fight he ever had uh, oh. with what happened outside the ring. All right. So that nostalgia, David Payne. Uh, we've waited long enough on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. You are you are into this World Boxing Super Series uh, simulation of the great heavyweights fighting in a tournament against each other. I must confess, I've not been keeping up with it all along, but they're having like the quarterfinal round at the time that we're doing the podcast. I mean, we're in need of some action, some boxing, uh, whatever. So the, the fight simulations have some interest. And in the simulation, Ali defeated Holyfield in a quarterfinal, right? And Smokin' Joe Frazier beat your uh, your UK World Heavyweight Titleist uh, Lennox Lewis in a quarterfinal. You're you're keeping track of this. Are they are they are they pretty true to what David Payne would view it uh, if the all timers were fighting in a fictitious tournament? Well, first and foremost, I need to declare that I am 46 year old and watching. Uh, video games being played <laughs> online. You're not. You're not alone. Video, you're not alone. And yeah. I'm, and yeah. I'm watching as live. I'm watching this as live, and and being entranced and drawn in, and willing <laughs> willing fighters on. So that either speaks to how desperate I am to see fights, or to some locked away twelve year old that still lives inside me. Sure. Um, but I've. I must confess, the Lewis Fraser fight was fantastic and and I'd encourage anyone to go and watch it multiple knockdowns terrific action and I just thought Lennox had survived the crisis and unfortunately he was felled by a Joe Fraser uppercut of all things so uh, it's it's been fun it's in, made an enjoyable tea break and today we saw Mike Tyson dispose of yes butterbean oh, in yeah. two rounds <laughs> Yeah, and the Ali win over Holyfield was a knockout, correct? It wasn't just the greatest decisioning him on this uh, hypothetical yes, simulation, right? It, it was indeed. So we now we now have the prospect of a um, Ali Fraser semi-final, which will excite the uh, nostalgics. And in the other, we are waiting for the outcome of George Foreman versus wait for it, David Hay, oh. uh, to determine who will fight Mike Tyson in the other semi-final. Interesting on the simulation. Well, you should know this, David, and Marquise already knows this. Uh, the NASCAR racing, not your Formula One, not our IndyCar racing, but the NASCAR uh, southern version of stock car uh, racing that's now gone nationwide, if not global. Uh, this past weekend with no race, they actually had some drivers, former drivers, TV personalities participate in a simulated video game race from remote locations everywhere where they were all driving a NASCAR on the same video game at the same time. And the television viewership was over a million people that watched on TV. So you are not alone. We are not alone on being hard up for some kind of sports event, simulation or otherwise. Marquise, what do you make of a uh, of a semifinal there that now has Ali and Frazier again with Ali beating Holyfield, Frazier beating Lennox Lewis? Would you go along with that, Marquise Johns? 
I mean, I'd watch it. My problem with the contest that they're doing with the simulation thing with the World Boxing Super Series, it's it's. I have a, I have a booking issue, guys. First things first. Out of the list of heavyweights, past or present, in over a hundred <laughs> so years, we got Butterbean facing Tyson. Yeah. Are you kidding me? David Hayes. Uh, David Hayes' lips uh, uh, name does not come to the lips before Rocky Marciano, Joe Lewis. I mean, just start going now. George Foreman. Uh, I, David Hay doesn't belong in that paragraph, does he? But he's he's there, right? I, I understand you, you, who's but, doing but, it. Yeah, but but TJ, I think I think it's important to just contemplate how boxing Twitter will explode tomorrow if David <laughs> Hayes gets a decision over George Foreman. I think I, I can see computers being thrown across living rooms, phones going up in the air. I can see all hell breaking loose. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, guys, and saying that the fix would be in if that yeah. happens in the simulation. Yeah, well. in other words, on the computer, they they dumbed down George Foreman's punching power to 27 instead of 99 or 100 uh, to make yeah. that. To make that happen. So anyway, we're we're in need of some entertainment. You can go to World Boxing Super Series' Twitter uh, page, as, as David is talking about, and they've got these simulations. What on their website as well as their social media, where you can watch it play out. If you're that, if they're interested, there, David. Yes, indeed, you can. But what it does, what it does, shout and scream is two things. Firstly, we need a boxing game these days for a video for for those still playing video games into their forties, and. Yes. Um, Perhaps, as you mentioned with your NASCAR uh, comparison, who knows what the future holds as to what we might end up watching one day? Um, because I know the esports phenomena is perhaps a generation or two behind us, TJ Marquis, but um, they're certainly drawing an audience. And who knows? Who'd, who'd have thought we'd have pay-per-view YouTube stars? Who knows what we might have in the future? Right. And if and if this coronavirus goes on much longer. We may be craving it and paying the pay-per-view price just to watch 2014 video games, George Foreman versus David Hay. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? The rematch. Perhaps that's what it's what's next. <laughs> do, uh, do use it for the uh, sim. I, I would love Mike Tyson participating as Mike Tyson in Mike Tyson punch-out video games, take on all comers of who wants to challenge him, uh, with him fighting as Mike Tyson. I was kind of partial to Mike Tyson Punch-Out, Marquise Johns, when it was in the arcade, before it became the video game on the PlayStation or whatever other video game. And if the actual Tyson was fighting as Mike Tyson, I might watch that, Marquise. That may be interesting. I, I look forward to seeing that. I, I'm personally biased, guys, to the first-generation version of this game that the World Boxing Super Series is using, Fight Night. I'm biased to Fight Night Round 3. That's the one before... Uh, ESPN took over the production of it, and it has uh, Pacquiao and the gang on it taking over everything. Uh, but yeah, with these with these esports things, as David mentioned, yeah, it's, it's it, personally it's a generation behind mine. But I understand if you look on Twitch or YouTube, these things are all it, people are watching people play video games, and as you may have guessed with this World Boxing Super Series, we're watching this now. So it's it's a thing, and it's an interesting thing. But yeah, why haven't they made a new Fight Night or any actual boxing game for that matter in this day and age? It's jump about. Because this Fight Night Championship game they're using, guys, for the simulations from 2014, that's about a solid two consoles ago. And <laughs> yeah, you would, indeed. You would think they would have jumped up by now. This, TJ, you playing Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is not too far off from this Fight Night game to, <laughs> to simulate these fights. I, uh, I agree. All right, so we've digressed enough on this. Let's promote away. We, uh, we will continue to have news on BigFightWeekend.com, that's for sure. David will uh, we'll write and will muse from time to time on BoxingWriter.co.uk. Tell them how they find you as well on social media, David. 
Yeah, of course. Tend to use Twitter because I'm that generation. So I'm not on Inst- I'm not on an Instagram person, and I'm not a Facebook person. I'm in the middle in my forties, so we're all on Twitter, aren't we? Uh, so you'll find me there at the Boxing Writer, and as you kindly mentioned, TJ, BoxingWriter.co.uk for some of my longer articles. And uh, who knows, might be on Big Fight Weekend soon as we uh, scratch around for some content and some historical perspective, as you always say. I always love uh, always love your insight, especially from over there. Even though he's the bearer of bad news, uh, boxing fans, he doesn't think we're seeing anything till at least maybe July or later. We'll find out. Uh, Marquise Johns, tell the folks, uh, not just with the website, but also with your social media, how they find, how they stay engaged. Absolutely, TJ. Find me on Twitter as always. And David, you guys know this, at Week Sauce Radio, still Pound for pound, the best Twitter handle in boxing Twitter. I challenge anybody, anywhere on that. And in the meantime, when we're looking for new content to look around, also follow BigFightWeekend.com for any news and articles that we come up on there as well. Public historical pieces coming up as well, coming down the line, I'm sure. Any news and notes of any actual fights that may happen, any continuing cancellations or postponements or any redirects that we may get in the meantime, BigFightWeekend.com. Love that. Boys, great job on the podcast here tonight. Fight fans everywhere. Stay safe. Listen to the authorities and the health officials uh, for as long as possible here. Isolate. Uh, uh, Social distancing is very important here at the time that we're taping all of this to get through what we're going through. Um, I I think I I speak on behalf of David and Marquise that we want uh, as many people as healthy as possible uh, to be engaged with all the fight stuff that we have, that we write about, and that we talk about. So we will get through this. I mean, it's it's the same for everybody. It's bizarre. It's wild. We'll be here for you, though, not just on the site, but on the podcast. Who knows? We may have to break in and break off a podcast when the World Boxing Super Series simulation is over and get David's thoughts and analysis on that. For now, though, we're done on this edition. David, thank you, and good night in the U.K. Good night, TJ, and I'm sure we looking up the long socks issue because that needs uh, clarification. But until then, good night. Marquise Johns, thank you for hanging on the Big Fight Weekend podcast as well. Absolutely, TJ. Good fun as always doing this. And uh, sorry, David. Yeah, he is wearing uh, the socks. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> the, uh, the, the low socks or the no socks. Uh, that will do it. Again, subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcast, or Spreaker, wherever you found this podcast. It comes automatically to you if you subscribe at Big Fight Weekend and uh, follow us at Big Fight Weekend on social media. I am merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us here on the podcast. Hopefully we get news on fights resuming soon in the not-too-distant future. For now, we're done on Big Fight Weekend. Bye.